0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Angels, we all have them. They're our unseen guides, our companions, our teachers, and they're all around us. Sometimes... They make themselves known in the most miraculous ways. Join angel communicator, Reiki master, and QHHT hypnotherapist Christy Clemens Hoffman for stories from real people who have experienced real-life angel encounters.
1: Hello and welcome back to Real Life Angel Encounters. My name is Christy Clemens Hoffman. I am the host of this show and I'm an angel intuitive. I'm based in Kansas City, Missouri. And you can probably tell from my voice that um, it's continuing to be allergy season around here. So I'm going to try not to cough all over the microphone. I'm going to try to maybe unstuff my nose a little bit. And we're going to talk about some angels around the world. In episode 26 of this podcast, I talked about angels in the Bible, that being the Christian Bible, the Christian tradition we have primarily in the West, but in other places around the world as well. And, you know, in looking into the research behind that episode, I found out that there are angels in other traditions as well. So I wanted to talk about that today. And, you know, just stress that Christianity does not have a corner on the market for angels. Because angels come from God, and God is not strictly Christian or Buddhist or Muslim or any particular religion. God is God. So let's take a little dive into this. I get my information from two different websites. One is guideangel.com. The other one is anomalian.com. I don't know how to pronounce this, and I'm really sorry about that. It's like anomaly and alien and Anomalian. Ugh. That's probably the best I can do. So let's get cracking on this, okay? So first of all is Zoroastrianism, and I know for a fact I'm going to butcher many of these names. I'm sure I'll get emails about it, comments on the Facebook page, so I'm sorry in advance. So angels, the way that we understand them in Christian society, and Western society, I have to say, I'm not Christian, but in Western society, our understanding of angels probably originated with the, Asian, the ancient Persian religion of Zoroastrianism, which was begun during the Persian empires of 559 BC to 651 AC. And at the time of Jesus Christ was a very powerful world religion. It's one of the oldest monotheistic religions that you can still find being practiced today, especially in Iran and India. So Zoroastrianism recognizes various classes of spiritual beings. And um, these are in addition to the supreme being, also known as Ahura Mazda, the, and these beings are called the Amesha Spentas, Yazatas, and Fravashis. Like I said, I'm going to be butchering some names here. And in their practice, Zoroastrians pick a patron angel for their protection and throughout their lives are careful to observe prayers dedicated to their specific angel. Sounds kind of like guardian angels, but not quite, uh, that we would know here in the West. The first class is the Amisha Spentas, or the Zoroastrian equivalent of archangels. Literally, it means beneficent immortals. These are the highest spiritual beings created by Ahura Mazda, their name for God again. And the names of these beings are Vohumano, literally good mind, presides over cattle. Asha Vahishta, (laughs) literally highest Asha, and I'm sure I butchered that name. This is the Spand. Is that right? Amarasband presiding over Asha and fire. And then we've got Kshatra Vera Vaira. I don't know how that's pronounced. Literally the desirable dominion. The Amarasband presiding over metals. Then we have spenta armaiti, literally holy devotion. The Amarasband presiding over the earth. Then we have Harvatat, harvatat, not sure how that's pronounced, literally perfection, or perfection of health, presides over water. And then lastly, we have the Ameritat, literally immortality, the Amaras band presiding over the earth. So between all of these Amisha Spentas, we've got pretty much everything covered on earth and animals, water. Then we have another order called Fravashis, or guardian angels. These are also known as Arda Fravash, or holy guardian angels. And every person is accompanied by a guardian angel, just like in Western traditions and the idea of guardian angels. And this angel acts as a guide throughout life. They originally patrolled the boundaries or of the ramparts of heaven, but they volunteer to come down to earth to stand by individual people to the end of their days. Ahura Mazda advises Zarathustra to invoke them for help whenever he finds himself in danger, in Zoroastrian's holy, holy texts. If not for their guardianship, animals and people could not have continued to exist because the wicked Druj would have destroyed them all. The Fravashi also serves as an ideal, which the Stroll which the soul should strive for and emulate and ultimately becomes one with after their death. They manifest the energy of God and preserve order in creation. They're said to fly like birds and are often represented by a winged disc, sometimes with a person superimposed on it. Literally adorable ones, a created spiritual being worthy of being honored or praised. Like the omniscient spentas, they personify ideas and virtues or concrete objects of nature. The azatas are ever trying to help people and protect us from evil. Next, I want to talk about angels in Buddhism. So in the Buddhism philosophy, faith, it's not really a religion, so I can't call it a religion, but in the Buddhist tradition, the equivalent of angels are divas. Not divas like a pop star, but D-E-V-A-S, diva. Maybe it's pronounced Deva, or celestial beings. Some schools of Buddhism also refer to Dharmapalas or Dharma protectors. The Dharma, of course, is the, uh, the group. The Tibetan Buddhism, or Tibetan Buddhists, for instance, um, celebrate divas as emanations of bodhisattvas or enlightened beings. Different schools of Buddhism, though, have different important divas. And they're often derived from pre-Buddhist cultures and religions and not directly from Buddhist philosophy. So yeah, angels are ancient beings. We've always had them around us. Devas or devas are spiritual beings by nature. Their form is usually described as bodies or emanations of light or energy. They are, however, depicted in physical form. And there are many e- images of devas or dharmapalas particularly in Tibetan Buddhist iconography. And you've probably seen these. Here in Kansas City, we've got this beautiful art museum called the Nelson Atkins, and they've got a very impressive Asian art collection with plenty of statues of divas, of angels, of you know, all kinds of beings from the, um, from the Buddhist and the Asian cultures. Right, So kind of a nice collection there. Now, divas don't usually interfere in human affairs, but Lama Surya Das, the famed Buddhist teacher, notes that they have been known to rejoice, applaud, and rain down flowers for good deeds performed in the world. In Thailand, it's believed that divas approve of people meditating and will harass those people that they uh, think are not behaving as they should and don't approve of their behavior. Uh, the Christian tradition we don't really see angels doing that. That might be more of guides or, you know, nature spirits, something like that. Also in Buddhism, the Bodhisattva of Compassion is known as Kuan Yin in Chinese and Chenrezig in Tibetan. And she's often widely viewed as sort of a Buddhist angel. And you might see Kuan Yin's name spelled in many, many, many different ways, with the K-W, with the K-U, with the Q-U, just many ways to spell her name. So don't don't be fooled. It's all the same person, just different ways to interpret the Chinese characters, right? So this bodhisattva, Kuan Yin, uh, her original Sanskrit name was Avo. Oh boy, I'm going to butcher this, Avalokiteshvara, <laughs> which means "hearer of the ten thousand cries." That is, he or she, the this, the bodhisattva Kuan Yin is male in original Buddhist texts, but is represented as female in Buddhist schools. You know how these things go. Perceives suffering of all sentient beings. And in some sects, reciting her name is believed to summon her aid. I talk to Kuan Yin all the frickin' time. Like, all the time. They also call Kuan Yin the Mother Mary of the East because she is so compassionate. She hears our cries. She hears our prayers and perceives suffering of beings who suffer and helps us in many ways, which is what angels do. Really? Angels help us. And that's their job. Now we're going to go on to angels in Hinduism. So while they're not specifically referred to as angels, Hinduism does have many different types of spirit beings who act in a similar way. One example is the minor gods, or again, the word divas or devas, literally meaning shining ones who inhabit the higher astral plane. And I will add, <laughs> the gods that I've talked to, the ascended masters such as well, Kuan Yin, uh, Bridget, um, who else, um, oh, St. Germain, uh, Apollo, they don't want to be called minor deities. They say, we're deities, deities, thank you very much. So I guess we can't call these minor gods. They are, they are gods, these devas, the shining ones inhabiting the higher astral plane. Gods, divas, planets, and planets like the Sani or Saturn, our gurus and ancestors can all play a protective role for humans. So also in Hinduism are asuras, which are evil spirits or demons. They're fallen divas, actually, who inhabit the lower astral plane, the mental plane of existence. And if asuras do good in the world, they can be reincarnated into divas and do not have to remain eternally in the lower plane. Good to know. Hinduism also includes apsaras, who are heavenly nymphs, angiris, who preside over sacrifices, and lipika, who regulate karma. Devas and asparas are spiritual beings, but they're often depicted in physical form. Apsaras are seductively beautiful, and the divas look like royalties, stately and handsome. Devas and asuras can inspire or bring down aspirants, helping or hindering people's spiritual journey. Again, not quite the role that we're used to for godly, angelic, spiritual beings. But there we are nonetheless. And it's interesting that they note about even though these are etheric beings, they're often depicted with human form. And this is true of archangels and angels there are only two archangels that have been human before. All of the other angels have not been human. So they don't really have human-like bodies, but we'll see them with human bodies and we'll depict them in religious art with human bodies. Same is true around the world. And it makes sense. We want to identify with the folks that we're praying to and talking to and Um, that we ask for help, we feel a lot better asking for somebody who's got a physical body. (laughs) So we'll often depict them that way, right? So also in Hinduism is this uh, discussion of chakras. These are energy centers within the body. They're wheel-like vortices which are inside the body. They actually go through the body, out through the front, and out through the back. The chakras are these just energy centers. They have different emotional qualities, physical organs that they oversee, and they are, you know, always spinning. When they're balanced, they can become blocked. They become can come imbalanced. And the chakras actually play a role with the various angels and angelic beings in Hinduism. And this was. Fascinating. So, first of all, the base or root chakra, also called the muladhara, serves for communication with angels from the yasad of sphira, and which is foundation or holy remembering or coherent knowledge. So in that way, the root chakra has to do with knowledge. Interesting. A little different take. The sacral chakra, also known as, oh, I'm going to butcher this, svadhisthana, serves for communication with the principalities from the net sphira, which is contemplation, initiative, persistence. Of course, in other traditions, the sacral chakra is about creativity. It's about um, imagination, creating things. It's also about our sexual energy, which is creative, right? Then we have the solar plexus chakra. In Hindu, Manapura which is at the naval area and that serves for communication with the archangels from the hod sphera represents surrender sincerity steadfastness you know in the in other traditions the tradition i'm more used to the solar plexus chakra has to do with the will and our power personal power so that would really pretty much talk about surrender and sincerity right then we've got the anahata or the heart chakra It serves for communication with the powers in the Tiferet Sphira and brings symmetry, balance, and compassion. Of course, compassion is all about the heart chakra, isn't it? And then we've got the Vishuddha, the throat chakra, which serves for communication with the dominions from the Chesed Sphira and represents mercy, grace, love, and love of God, And for communication with the virtues from the Givura sphera. Also represents judgment, strength, and determination. The throat chakra, interestingly enough, in the way I learned it through my Reiki studies, has to do with our BS detector, with truth and speaking truth. So it's interesting that in the Hindu tradition, the throat chakra is about judgment and determination. Then we have the Ajna or the brow or third eye chakra, uh, also known where the the third also known as the third eye or where the pineal gland is, which serves for communication with the cherubim from the chokma sphere, the divine reality revelation, and for communi- for communication with the thrones in the dimension dimension of binna, which is understanding. Repentance and reason. So some of the brain functions that we typically associate with the brow chakra, anyway. Then we have, finally, the sahasrara, or the crown chakra, on the top of the head, which serves for communication with the seraphim, which is the highest order of angels that we have in the Western tradition. And these come from the katar sphera, And it has to do with the crown divine plan and creator. So again, what we are typically in the West used to as far as the crown chakra. So I thought that was fascinating. And different chakras will correspond with different hierarchies of angels, beginning with angels, which are the lowest, hier- lowest in the hierarchy, or just plain angels. Then we get uh, archangels, then we move up to principalities, thrones, dominions, all the way up to seraphim. So this was interesting, and um, they also have hierarchies of their angels in the Hindu tradition, which I, just fascinates me. It's so interesting when things overlap each other and confirm each other and validate each other, right? Well, next I want to talk about angels in Islam. Belief in angels is actually one of the six pillars of the Islam faith, or faith with out which there is no faith <laughs> whoever does not believe in any of these pillars is not a believer these pillars are belief in Allah the angels the books the messengers the last day and that predestination both good and bad comes from Allah angels are part of the world of the unseen which we can't comprehend which I would have to agree with at. Allah has told them about told us about them in many places in the Quran and via his prophet. There follows a number of proven reports concerning angels, which hopefully makes you realize the greatness of the creator and the greatness of this religion that features them, right? It's one of the main world religions is Islam. What in Islam are angels created of? They're created from light. The messenger of Allah said, The angels are created from light just as the jinn are created from the smokeless fire, and mankind is created from what you've been told about. Angels have wings in Islam. Allah says, Praise be to Allah, who created out of nothing the heavens and the earth, who made the angels messengers with wings. Two or three or four pairs adds to the creation as he pleases, for Allah has power over all things. And interestingly enough, if you listened to episode 26, and you know what, you can go ahead and pause this episode, go back to listen to episode 26, and then come back, okay? All right, you back? Good. So in episode 26, I remember talking about how the Bible describes multiple pairs of wings on angels in Revelation, which is interesting Because in Islam, they also have multiple pairs of wings. Islam also says that they have differences in size and status among the angels. The angels are not all of one size or status. There are differences between them, just as there are differences in virtue. Uh, Sound pretty much like Hindu and Christian angels? Yeah, different hierarchies and statuses. Statusi? Is that the word? Different statuses. The best of these statuses are those that were present at the Battle of Badr, as is stated in the Hadith narrated by Mu'ad ibn Rafa al-Zuraki from his father. He said, Jibril came to the Prophet and asked, How do you rate the people among you who are present at Badr? He said, They are the best of the Muslims, or something similar. Jibril said, So it is with the angels who were present at Badr. Angels do not eat or drink, just like in the Christian tradition. Go back and listen to episode 26. This is indicated by the conversations between Ibrahim, the friend of Allah, and the angels who visited him. Allah says, Then he turned quickly to his household, brought out a fatted calf, and placed it before them. He said, Will you not eat? When they did not eat, he conceived a fear of them. They said, Fear not and they give him glad tidings of a son endowed with knowledge. So I guess they don't need to eat. There is also a great number of angels in Islam. The angels are very, very many, and their number is only known to Allah. The prophet said, uh, described the much-frequented house in the seventh heaven, When I was taken up to the much-frequented house, every day 70,000 angels visit it and leave never returning to it again, another group coming after them. Wow! Names of Islamic angels. The angels have names, but we only know the names of a few of them. We have to believe in the names reported in the Quran and Sunnah texts as part of general belief in the angels. Among the names of angels that are known to us are... In Islam, four angels are well known. Jibril, who we would call Gabriel... In the Western world, the angel of revelation. That is, the messenger telling people stuff that they need to know. Mikal, also known as Michael, my body, my guy, the angel of nature. Mm, I don't really think of Michael as the angel of nature, but apparently Islam does. There's Israel, or Azrael, that we would know in the West, the angel of death, and Israfil, the angel who places the soul in the body and sounds the last judgment. Israfil, to me, sounds a bit like Jeremiah, but um, I can't confirm that. And then, of course, we have angels in Christianity, we, which we know about. And this particular article does list the hierarchy of angels. So I thought I'd share that with you because we are talking about angels around the world. The first order of angels, closest in order to God, are first the seraphims, and then it goes down to the cherubims, then the thrones, and then the second order of angels. These are the priest-princesses of the court of heaven, the dominions, the virtues, and the powers. Then we have the third order, the ministering angels. And that includes the principalities who see over different areas of the world, the archangels, and then finally, at the lowest order, the bottom of the rung of the angels, but still pretty darn awesome, are angels. And that's how they break down in Christianity. Also, angelic beings, heavenly beings, but who have a celestial order, all the way from humans, from just past humans, all the way up to God. And then we have angels in Judaism, and the Bible uses various terms for angels, including malachim, or God messengers, ministers, heavenly hosts, or the hosts of heaven, the armies of heaven, and then fallen angels, also known as demons. So, differently from other religious forms, the Jews are forbidden to create any image of God. Therefore, the Jews are using the Hebrew letters from the Bible for representing God. From the description in the Bible of how to build the ark is, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with the cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover. So um, the, the Hebrew... Texts do talk about cherubim pretty extensively, and the Ark of the Covenant. Pretty interesting. Some additional information about Islam and angels is that according to the Quran, angels are obedient creatures that serve Allah, and that cannot be seen or heard by people, though they can be felt. So, of course, in Christianity, in the Western tradition, some people do see angels, and we've heard from them directly on this podcast, in other episodes. Angels are made of light, according to Islam, as I stated before, created by God before humanity was created, and belong to the world of the unseen, like jinns and other spiritual entities. And there's also a hierarchy of angels in Islam, just like uh, in other traditions. And as stated before, Islam states that two angels follow each person, writing everything that is done, thought, and felt by their protected one in order to register their good and bad behaviors, which is possibly where the Akashic Records comes from, the Akashic Records being a record of our thoughts, words, and deeds across lifetimes, various lifetimes. The Quran also does mention hell keepers, 19 angels that opened the gates of hell under the orders of Archangel Malik. According to Islam, people reach hell in groups, and those who do not believe in the worlds of Allah will stay in hell. Interesting. Okay, divas in Hinduism and Buddhism, again. Um, The reincarnation religions, such as Hinduism and Buddhism, believe in creatures that are superior in humans and live in the higher realms, called divas. And like Christians and Muslims, Buddhists and Hindus believe these creatures are divided into categories and subdivided into other categories, having a hierarchy. Isn't it interesting how all these traditions have basically the same format, basically the same bones to their belief in angels? Um, Makes you kind of wonder, doesn't it? But the main difference between Eastern and Western concepts of angels is the fact that for Hindus and Buddhists, divas are beings in evolution, having passed through many incarnations as human before they reached their current state of consciousness that allows them to become angels. So in that way, every human has the potential to become an angel after many incarnations. And although the divas are superior to humans, they're not perfect, and those who belong to the lower level in the hierarchy are subjected to mistakes and wrong choices, just like a person. And whereas in Christianity, we tend to think of, or maybe let me say the Western tradition, we tend to think of angels as not being human before, and that's really what I adhere to, that they had not been human, but that humans can Evolve to become spirit guides, and that angels can rise in their level uh, through service and through works of service to humans, to specifically their humans, and they can continue their evolutionary path, just like just like people do, right? And then through service and through helping others, they can rise in the hierarchies, right? So. Kind of a small difference, and though it's kind of big. So with spiritism, so we haven't even talked about that yet, spiritualism. So religions or religious faiths in the Western tradition who are more spiritualistic, and spiritualism really had its height in the 1800s up to maybe the 20s or 30s. Spiritualists believe that you can speak with the dead, that life continues after death, and that you know we can reincarnate as well. And this tradition holds that there are enlightened spirits who help others by inspiring them and suggesting to them and then protecting them as well. And these beings once lived as humans, but after several incarnations, they reached a higher level of consciousness so that they can help and inspire more of us living in the physical world. And according to some of these teachings, they're subjected to reincarnation in order to evolve, even after they become what we would know as protectors or guides. And just like Hinduism and Buddhism, spiritualism holds that heaven and hell are just a transitory state of mind created by illusion. And so enlightened beings sometimes rescue those that are experiencing a painful afterlife due to feelings of guilt and despair. Hmm, interesting thought, right? Interesting concept. Sometimes these, be- these beings, rather, can be spirits that have lived together with those they protect in previous lives. And as such, they're very fond of the ones that they help. Spiritualists do not use the word angel. Rather, they call them spirit guides. And that's very much aligned with how I believe and how I look at things. So the whole idea of looking at these comparative ideas of angels and guides is just to show that the more differences we think we have, the more similarities we truly do have. What really jumps out to me about this is how many similarities there are with angels in Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism, and Judaism hierarchy of angels they oversee various different things we have personal angels who help us guide us and instruct us and these beings are really energetic beings although we like to depict them with human forms or physical forms and that they overwhelmingly do have wings or at least are depicted with wings which to me is very interesting So, when we're looking at different religions around the world, I hope that we're looking at them with the lens of, we all want the same things, rather than, we believe different things. And I would hope that we would, as such, be curious, and playful, almost, and have acceptance around these other beliefs playful in the sense of oh let me explore let me find out about this which is you know, very akin to curiosity but just the, the playfulness to me has a bit of joy to it as well there should be joy in talking to people of different faiths and finding out how they believe and how it differs from how we believe there's a lot of happiness in that right? and then having some curiosity to ask questions and then to accept what we find in these differences of teachings, opinions, beliefs, because when we really look at it, all of us are connected, we're all one, and we're all part of the greater picture, our differences really don't have to divide us, they really don't. And now I'm going to get off my soapbox and get on my other soapbox. (laughs) And I wanted to remind you that if you're listening to this podcast, there are ways to connect. You can join the Facebook group at Real Life Angel Encounters Facebook group. Join the conversation and comment on all of the episodes. Share your stories. You can also share your stories by emailing them to me, Christy, at angelencounterspodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at reallifeangelencounters. And um, yeah, we're on all those platforms, right? But I also wanted to remind you that we are on the Mind, Body, Spirit app. This is an app where you can find all types of programming, podcasts. Spiritual stuff, metaphysical stuff, self-help stuff, psychological stuff, psychology, love, relationships, and much more on the mind, body, app. And Real Life Angel Encounters is part of that. And then lastly, if you have friends, if you have family, if you have co-workers, neighbors, dog walkers, acquaintances. I don't know, that pretty much covers it, right? Please share this podcast with everybody you know. And hopefully they'll want to learn more about angels and talk about angels. And then they'll want to share with their friends. You see how this goes, right? What this does, it expands our audience. And when the audience is expanded, then we have more stuff to draw from. And I really do look to the audience to send ideas for shows. What do you want to know about? What stories do you have? Because I've heard from you. You like to hear each other's stories. You like to know that you're not alone. So please share this out. And if you wouldn't mind, please subscribe or follow because those subscribes and follows add up. And when people are searching for a podcast about angels... Then this one is more likely to pop up and be discovered. So that helps a lot. And then lastly, you can visit my website at radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash real life angel encounters podcast. And on that page there's a link to donate. If you are so guided, I would love to have you donate to cover the cost of the podcast. Because it's free for you, but it's not free for me. And I don't really like to beg, but if you can spare a little bit of change to donate to the podcast, go to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash real life angel encounters podcast. And with that, we'll see you next time, my friends.
0: Special thank you to James Wheeler for the original music and Cassandra Harold for the voiceovers. Please subscribe and follow wherever you're listening now. And be sure to tell your friends. The more people know about this podcast, the more great story submissions we get. Submit your own real life angel encounters to angelencounterspodcast at gmail.com. Want to know what your angels and loved ones have to tell you? Schedule an appointment with Christy at radiatewellnesscommunity.com.
1: I'm Victoria Moran.